0: If you have your Bibles, go and find your way to Galatians chapter 6. We find ourselves again in Paul's letter to the churches of Galatia as we're working our way through this series that we've entitled uh, Centered, just understanding again that it's through our identity and our lives being centered on Christ, centered on Christ through the gospel, that, that we see who we truly are, that we can see how we can then Truly live our lives, and so we we have this habit, though, that as we're we're coming to the end of this letter, we we tend to think that the end is kind of just we don't really have to to pay much attention, or he's just wrapping things up. He's kind of kind of shut it down. He's kind of coasting to the finish, and that's not a, at all what we see this week and even next week as we finish up this series in in Galatians. And so we see actually today that we get a glimpse into why our lives are the way that they are. Why we see what happens in our lives is directly what we find in today's passages. And so, have you you ever thought and and dreamed, I don't know, I tend to be a dreamer, um, not that I actually put those into plans, but I always think, what if, kind of questions. And so, have you ever thought about, what's your life going to look like a year from now? What's it going to look like five years from now, or maybe ten years from now? What is is it going to look like? Do you ever have these thoughts and these dreams of what's going to happen, right? Most of you, if you're honest... You would say, yeah, you think about that all the time, right? And, and not just a way to, to improve your life, but a way to, to kind of see what's going to happen. You know, if we, if we could just see what's going to happen, then we know that everything's going to be okay. Or we even know where we need to turn or, or what we need to do. And so what we see here is that while we, we don't know exact details to answer those desires, we can know what our lives are going to look like and give us a good reality of what is going to happen when we see the way that we invest our lives. When we see that, that we have these gospel-centered investments, the way we invest our time and our lives is going to give us a picture of what it's going to look like in a year from now. What it's going to look like in five years from now. And, and so, if you will, follow along with me as we read this passage. We're going to start in Galatians 6, verse 6, and then we're going to read through verse 10. So in Galatians 6, 6, Paul says, Let the one who has taught the word... Share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh from the flesh will reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially those who are of the household of faith. If you will, pray with me, and we'll ask the the, the Spirit to guide us through this time. Father, we we come before you just broken, empty, sinners in need of your grace every day, God, and thank you that that we can see that grace poured out onto us, God, and thank you for your Son. God, and today, I just pray that, that for myself, I would speak The truth that you've given me, God, that we would see the truth of your words plainly, God, that that what I proclaim would be your message and not something that I would desire for my own. And I just pray that we receive this message as you've intended it and that your spirit would work freely in our lives and that we would see a change in how we view the way we live our lives as a result of your truth that we read today. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in order to see what our lives should look like, or at least get a good indication of that, if we have those desires, we have those wonderings of what's going to happen, in order to do that, we have to ask our question, or ask ourselves a question, how are we investing our lives? What are are we putting our time, our energy, and our effort towards? How are we investing our lives? Because that's going to give us this idea of where our lives are going to be. Where we spend our time is what's going to grow. Um, when I was first becoming a teacher, um, one thing that someone had told me was that that what you focus on is going to increase. And so, if you always focus on the negative aspects of the behavior of your students, you're always going to notice those. That's going to increase because that's what they see. And it's the same thing that happens in our life. Are we going to sow seeds? Are we going to invest in the things of the world? Are we going to invest in the things of the spirit? And that's what, what Paul shows us here in verse 7. We see this little, this one verse in the middle of this passage that we see that gives us the definition and explains the rest of the passage. In verse 7, he says, Do not be, be deceived. God is not mocked because whatever one sows, that he will also reap. And what we see that verse 7 is kind of like the clue to looking at the other verses of this passage. It, it's the decoder, if you will. It says, do not be deceived. He warns us here that deception's real. This deception's real, and it can come from those outside the church, as he showed us in Galatians 3.1. He says, who's bewitched you? Who, who's deceived you? And he's talking about these Judaizers that were coming into the church from the outside, but he also shows us in chapter 6, verse 3, that we read last week, that, that we can deceive ourselves. So this deception can come from within. And so as we look at this passage today, he, he's saying more along the lines that we shouldn't be deceived into thinking that our actions will go unnoticed by God. That, that how we live our lives have direct consequences. That, that we can't just simply live our lives and expect nothing to happen. And after all, this is one of the biggest deceptions in our culture today, right? Because today it says just, you can do whatever, There's no lasting consequences because we're free people. We can do what we want. And so we take this then into our spiritual lives. And we take this in our lives and think that it doesn't matter what happens. We have people on one side of it that that take this all the way to where it doesn't matter how we live anymore because we're free in Christ. That, That our actions don't matter. And so we just do whatever. But you also have people that see that same thing and take it to the other extreme and say that you have to do all of these certain things. And what Paul's saying here is don't be deceived, that God's not mocked. He's, and, and when we live our lives however we want to, when we, when we just throw out everything, and this deception that we see and just able to live our lives whatever we want to, it's, we're, we're mocking God in that, saying that it doesn't matter. We, we see your grace, but we're going to do whatever we want to. But on the other side, you see that, that we're mocking God by saying that we have to do all these certain things as if he's not good enough to provide what we need, as if his grace isn't enough. This deception is that, that we're, we're mocking God by living our lives the way we want to and, and literally when we look at this, it's, it's like we're raising our nose to him, like we're better than God. Like no, we've got this figured out. That's great, we, we hear the gospel, but, but we've got this figured out. That if, that somehow how, that we can decide to live how he commands us when we want to or when it is good for us. But we need to, to, to remember that God is all-knowing. God sees all and he knows all. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. That's what we read in scripture. And so we can see that, that he's not mocked by the way we live our lives. But there is a way and there's real consequences. Jesus himself in, in Revelation two twenty three when he's talking to the churches, says, And I will strike her children dead, and all the churches will know that I am the one who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. So what he's saying there is, I know I search your mind and your hearts, and whatever you're sowing, whatever you are doing with your life, that's what you're going to get back. And that's why we have this idea of this gospel-centered investments. Where are we investing our life? Where are we sowing the seeds of our life? Because according to Christ in Revelation 2, that's what we're going to get back. That's the, going to be the return on our investment. And this, we see this thought over and over again. That's how Paul finishes verse 7. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. And this is a, a theme that we find in Scripture. Job in chapter 4 says... As I have seen those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. What you sow, you reap. Hosea 8, 7 says, For they sow the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. And in 2 Corinthians 9, Paul says, The point is this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. What we sow is what we reap. Where we invest our lives is where we're going to get a return on that. This is a law that God has set in place. John, John Stott, the, the pastor from England says that this is an immutable God, law of God. That you can't mute it. It can't go away. That we see this in everything. What you sow is what you reap. And that shouldn't surprise us, right? When I was growing up in, in West Texas, we were surrounded by cotton farmers. They're, they're still there. I'm just not there. But, but, but there's cotton farmers everywhere. That's all, that's all it is. If you've flown over, you see big squares, and every now and then you'll see a circle because there's a, a center pivot watering that section. But, but what happened is, when I, was in, when I was in high school, there was this story, I'm a little vague on the details because literally I remember this from a news report back then, but don't worry, we've got the gist of what we need. But what happened is, is there was, at, at that time, there was a big problem with the bow weevils that were attacking the, the cotton plants that would come, and so farmers were trying different things. And what happened is there was this one guy from the town I was at, and, and, he, and he planted corn. He planted corn, some random thing, right? And a few months later, was blown away when he had the best corn crop he'd ever had. But he wasn't prepared for it, so what did he do? He had to plow it under. Because he was using it part for keeping the soil. If there's something there that's going to hold the soil there, and maybe we can try again next year. We can, we can do that next year. But he was surprised and all the people around were about enough to where it made the news. Like there was a, literally a video of him plowing over corn. I don't know if that just means there wasn't much happening in Lubbock at that time, but but we were they were everyone was shocked when he planted corn and corn grew. But, but why should we be shocked about that? That's what's supposed to happen. And we that's the same thing in our life. If we sow in one thing, we can expect that to grow. And it shocks us. It shocks us in nature when we. We plant something, and this is a guy that, that he made his living growing things. You know, it's not like me going to plant something and, oh, it actually grew. I'm not going to kill it. No, that's how he lived his life. and Everyone was around was shocked when he planted corn, and corn grew. And he planted a lot of it, and he had a lot of it. And we were shocked, and that's the same thing we do in our lives. We, we, we get so surprised when what we invest our time in is what produces the results of our life. It surprises us, but it shouldn't. It's it's an obvious thing. It's an obvious thing to see that where we put our time is what's going to increase. Where we teach our children is what they're going to go to. What we show them is important is what they're going to think is important. What we sow is what we reap. And that's what Paul's talking about here. He's saying that if you live your life this way, you're going to get this. There's not a question from it. Now, the different details might be different, but the end result will be the same. And so as Christians, we should sow or invest with, with worship in the church. We should see ourselves in the church through worship, investing our lives. We also should sow the seeds into our own lives. We should invest in our own lives, in our own spiritual growth, so that we know that, that we'll reap the benefits of that, and then ultimately that will flow over when we invest into the community. When we see that we're sowing seeds into the community, we'll reap a harvest in the community. We sow the seed of the gospel, so the gospel will grow. And so first we see that that, that we do this with worship. This is why we have those three things, if you read the banners, with worship into lives through mission. This is how we're going to invest. This is how we're going to sow. We see first in this passage here, verse 6, that there's a sowing and reaping that happens within the church itself. Look at verse 6. It says, let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. And so what we see is throughout the life of the church, there's been this give and take, this sow and reap, this plant and harvest between the pastors, the teachers, and the congregants, those who are taught. And what's happened lately is this has become this negative idea. There's this, this negative idea that, that we shouldn't give back to the church because we've got stuff, we've got to put that somewhere else. That they're just in it for the money. That this, it shouldn't be negative though. This is that law of what you sow is what you reap. Let the one who is taught. That would be the, the, the person of the church, the, the person in the congregation. A member of the church. Let them what? Share all good things. Share all good things. And this idea of sharing, it, when, we, when, you, when you look at it, is 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 a form of the word that we get at Koinonia, which is fellowship. And it's interesting there because we see then, okay, so if you're being taught, God here and Paul is saying that, that you should be sharing, you should be in fellowship, you should be in partnership with those who are teaching you. And this idea of fellowship leads to the fact that when the 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 teacher or the pastors of the church are paid and reap material benefits from sowing the seed of the gospel, you realize that it 's not just a mere payment that it's a partnership that's, that's a huge idea in the Christian world because everyone thinks and you see these terrible examples of pastors that that have the biggest estates and everything right and so what that does is this class it casts this this cloud of judgment of well, they just want to get it for themselves. They don't really work. And, and a lot of times that's true. There's a lot of lazy pastors. What do they do all day long in their office? I don't know. Right? You don't know. They're there, but sometimes they're not there. Or do they hide from you when you come in the door? I mean, we don't have that same example, but you've probably experienced that if you've been in another church. Right? It's like they're never there when you're there, but they're always there, right? And, and that's this abuse of this sowing, and what they're, they're reaping, isn't going to eventually be the same but you also have churches that hold the pastor hostage by the money that say oh well we pay your salary once you teach this well how dare you talk about that don't call me out on my dad's famous for asking me if he's ever going to be where i'm preaching or anything he always says are you going to step on my toes and at first i never knew how to respond because i'm like i don't know what i'm supposed to say there i like feel like he's going i'm gonna get in trouble right but then i always say well i plan to because to me now, if, if there's going to be something that, you, that and he, he says it in a joking way, I don't mean that bad about my dad, but, but if there's something that's going to step on your toes, then maybe you're not sowing the right seed in the church. Because if it's the gospel message, then it's going to attack our flesh. It's going to point out our sinful desires. Then what we see, though, is this partnerships beyond me sowing into you by proclaiming the gospel and you sowing back into the church and through the church, to me, material support, it's this healthy biblical fellowship that leads to the spread of the gospel. A healthy seed produces healthy plants. That's just the law. That's what happens. And in this case, a healthy church, a strong church that, that has this good partnership and fellowship produces other healthy churches. That's why we want to be a church that plants churches. Because we want people to we want to have people raised up men raised up to plant churches they're gonna that are gonna sow the seed of the gospel and they're gonna reap the benefits of that to support them in doing that but also as the church then is going to sow seeds elsewhere and it goes beyond us this healthy partnership then goes beyond well the teachers not only teaches and and sows the seeds into the church but into other leaders of other churches that we plant and so therefore, when you sow your seed into this and your material and you invest into to our church, you're investing into other places. You're supporting missions around the world that you can support. Why? Because we do it as a body. And that's why Lindsay and I give back. We want to support that. That's what Paul's saying here, that if you're taught, you should share all good things with the one who teaches. And that's what we should do. That's a good, healthy partnership. That's a good, healthy fellowship. And that's going to produce... Healthy results because it's the way the world works. You sow and you reap. And so as we grow as a body, so does our fellowship. So does our partnership, but it grows beyond us. We have the wonderful opportunity to be part of the Acts 29 church planet. I, I talk to guys all the time all over the world that are planting churches just like us. And so we can, as a church, we can plant seeds there we can sow seeds there and that can be a picture of what we have here where the the teacher the pastor sows the message of the gospel sound biblical truth and reaps the benefits of that through support but as you sow the seed of support to the church you reap the benefit of solid biblical teaching and that's a healthy relationship and that's when we understand that that This initial investment, this sowing the seed produces beyond what we can imagine. Because we don't understand how that works. Because we forget that that's how God designed this to work. And it's a healthy relationship. It's a partnership. It's not a negative payment. That's why we always, if we talk about giving, that's why we say it's a part of worship. Because we worship in giving things that we've been given. Next we see that we invest into lives... Again, John Stott comments that the harvest we reap depends on where and what we sow. So where are you investing your life? Where are you sowing the seeds in your life? Because from where that is is where you're going to reap your harvest. If you go back into Galatians 5, and we were in there a couple weeks ago, you saw two, two things at war within us. The spirit of the flesh and the spirit. And they were constantly at war with us. The flesh and the spirit. And so if we want to keep with this agricultural idea today, those then become the two fields in which we sow the seeds in our lives. That's where we sow the seeds in our lives. So which field are you sowing in? Are you sowing in the field of the flesh, the things of this world, are you sowing in the, the spirit? Because where you sow on either side of that is what you're going to reap from it. And we see in verse 8, Paul reveals what that harvest is. It says, from one who sows to his own flesh, so he sows the seeds In the field of the flesh, from the flesh will also reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So if we're sowing in our flesh, and we put all our efforts into chasing after the things of the world, we're going to reap what? Corruption. Death. Because that's what the flesh brings with it. And so if everything we do, if we're sowing in the field of our flesh, if we fall short from crucifying, as Paul says we're supposed to do, crucifying the flesh... If we don't do that, we're going to reap the benefits of the flesh, and those benefits are not positive gains, they're negative. So if we don't crucify our flesh, if we instead maybe dabble in it, like, well, I'm not going to go that far. Maybe, maybe not that far. Well, this time it'll be different, right? We all, have you ever told yourself that? I don't know how many times I've told myself, well, it's going to be different this time. I can be around those people and not be affected by it. And What happened? You're affected by it, right? Why? Because you're sowing in that, that, that field. You're going to reap that harvest. We need to be capable and strong enough to, to not sow the seeds in the flesh. And how do you do it? You crucify it along with its desires. Because the flesh brings corruption and it brings death. Sowing in the field of our flesh only leads to corruption and death. It leads to no other harvest. There isn't anything else that we gain from it. And that's why you can see that the world isn't cycling better. Because if we invest in the things of the world, it leads to corruption. And if we look at the world today, you see that. It's plain. And it doesn't matter how small, we're still going to reap that harvest. And then that corruption then spreads. The corruption spreads and it just happens. A seed always becomes the same plant. Got a picture here of a a corn seed and a corn plant. Right? If you plant corn, what happens? Corn grows. You don't, going back to the story from the guy uh, in my hometown, he didn't plant corn and cotton grew. Right? That would just be crazy. It didn't happen, right? So so whatever you plant is what's going to grow. Whatever you sow is what's going to grow. How you invest your time is where you're going to get the dividends from. So we see that we need to invest into our own lives. We need to sow into our own lives, but we need to sow into the field of the Spirit. Because as you have flesh that leads to corruption, you have the Spirit that leads to what? Life. We sow in this field by how? By walking in the Spirit, is what Paul tells us. In chapter 5, we walk in the Spirit. We set our minds on the things of the Spirit. That's how we sow into the Spirit. We, we walk by the Spirit. We set our things on the, on the, our minds on the things of the Spirit. And we, we seek after that. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to seek after Him. And so how we invest in our lives determines that. Do we seek after the Lord? And that's not this crazy idea to think, Oh, well, that's just for those special Christians. Now, if you're saved through faith by grace in Christ, then we're to seek after him. And if we're not seeking after him, then we're sowing our seeds somewhere and there's a good chance it's going to be in the flesh. So we need to trust him with our lives. A lot of times in my life when I've failed to sow the, the seeds and invest my life in the things of the spirits because I didn't trust God. Maybe I didn't say it, but that's how my life looked. I didn't trust that He would take care of me. I failed to, to see all the examples we have in Scripture of God providing. I forget that, that, that He provided food for the Israelites every morning. And it was exactly what they needed. Exactly what they needed. And then somehow I think that He can't provide for me. I try to protect myself and my family and forget that, that He's capable You see, throughout scripture, God providing protection for his people. His his armies are with There's a cool story where Elijah tells the the person that's with him, and he he prays God to, to to let him see, and then all of a sudden he sees these chariots of fire. He sees God's army surrounding his enemies. Just like that. He's here with us, and he can take care of us because he's the good father. He protects his children. And so we should understand that and stop sowing seeds in the flesh and sow them in the Spirit. Seek after Him. Walk through the things of the Spirit. But how do we do that? It seems like a good idea in theory. But how do you put that in practice? How do you set your mind on the things above? It's one of those things where we make it harder than it is. You just do it. Where do you seek attention? Acceptance. Is it with Him? In Colossians 3, Paul says that that if you've been raised with Christ, so if you've been saved, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand. Set your things, set your minds on things that are above and not things that are on the earth. That's how you sow the seed in the Spirit. You set your things. You put Him at the horizon of your life and you point that way. You realize that, that how we live our lives reveals where we're investing in our lives where we're sowing these seeds so we should seek the things that are above we should set our minds on the things that are above this doesn't make us this this weird christian it actually makes us a christian it's not just these random things we do it's everything that we do because that's where we're going to reap a harvest that's how you sow in the spirit and if you do what do you gain what do you reap life everlasting so avoid sowing the seeds of the flesh. So avoid harboring ill will or avoid thinking bad of someone that got a promotion that you thought you deserved. Because when you harbor that, you're sowing the seeds of the flesh. Maybe you see someone that's lazy all the time, never gets noticed, they show up late to work all the time, and you're like, "That's not fair. It's not fair. How, how can they be the exact, how can they get the exact same thing I get They're doing half the work that I do. That's sowing seeds in the flesh because you're you're thinking that somehow your identity is wrapped up in in how you're relating to other people. Our identity is wrapped up in who we're in in Christ. So we should extend grace to those people. We should chase after the outcast. We should love the unlovable. Those are sowing seeds in the flesh because when we do that, we reap those benefits. And that's when the church becomes Unified yet diversified. Because only God can do that. Because if we're sowing seeds in the flesh, then we're going to point out differences and see how we're better than someone else. But if we sow seeds in the Spirit, we're going to see that, that we're all created unique. Because we have a creative God. And we see that all around us. And so we can embrace that when we truly sow those seeds. We Im- invest in, the, in our lives. We sow these seeds of the gospel knowledge that we've been given grace and so we can set our things, our mind on things above. And we understand that. And then that leads us to investing through mission. So what you see here is now Paul moves from this idea of, of your own personal life and he moves into, now how does it affect the community? That's not to say that we ever graduate from showing the spirit or the flesh in our own lives. But it should go over to the other realms should fall and overflow into the community we don't trade sowing the seeds of the flesh or the spirit in our lives showing these spirit-filled investments in our own lives we don't trade those for going to the community it's what propels us into the community in order to see the full picture of a christian life we must see how it affects those that live around us because if it doesn't affect those that live around us then it's not truly a christian life that's so what he says in verse 9, because this is, it's hard to do, right? We, every time, I say this every time, people are unlovable, right? They are. They're rude, they're selfish. We're rude and selfish. But what does he say in verse 9? Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap, if we do not give up. We have to remember that investments or sowing seeds always cost something up front. There's no such thing as a free investment. It costs you something. You have to give something up for it. And when we give something up for it and we don't see a quick return, we get frustrated. We just want to give up. There's been been an awful lot of times through this process of 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 planting watershed where I thought the same thing. I'm not seeing anything happening. And what does it do? It makes me want to give up. But then when you look at the little things, when we truly set your thing, your mind on things above, you see that all the little things where God's working and that harvest is growing. And we're reaping the harvest, sowing these seeds. It costs something. That's why we have to continually strive to push into the community. Sow those seeds even when you don't see the benefit, because in due time we'll reap a harvest. In due time we'll reap a harvest. I got a picture here, kept with the corn theme. In case you want to, I don't know why I picked corn. Sorry if you don't like corn. I just picked it. But, it, but you, you can't probably read it as well, but it shows you the, the days. The, the first phase, 10, 15 days. There's a certain life cycle for a plant to mature, right? That's just how it typically happens. It's the same thing for our investments. We sow seeds of the gospel into the community. There's a, there's a time on that investment that it will mature, and we'll reap that harvest at some time. But we can't grow weary of doing good. We can't just plant that seed and never go back to it. We have to continually invest, and we do that through mission. We cannot grow tired of sowing seeds in other people's lives if we're not directly seeing the benefit. Because the harvest will come, and we, not, we might not get to see that harvest. We have a pretty high turnover, Right? So what we always talk about. People come and go in this area. So we might plant the seed. We might sow that seed. But someone else might reap that harvest. We can't grow weary of doing good if we're not seeing a result because we're not the ones that make the result happen. We, the, the harvest doesn't depend on us. We, we sow the seed and reap the harvest later, but God's the one that causes it to grow. So we must continue to plant seeds of the gospel through word and deed. It has to be both. We can't just do things because then there, people have to know why we do what we do. That's what the gospel gives us. And so often we, we plow under a young seedling about to break, break through from the ground because we're tired of waiting on it. And if we just not grow weary of doing good, then we'll... Mature in time, we'll reap that harvest. I have a friend um, that I've known since high school. His name's Jim. He was my best man in our wedding, and I remember at our wedding we we ran down the we ran we walked down the steps while people threw the the stuff, the typical wedding thing. We had the limo there, and I remember I had I made the the limo guy stop, and and I had to get my keys for my truck because I was smart enough not to take my own vehicle from the exit of the wedding because then my friends couldn't mess with my own car. I have moments of, of wisdom every now and then. But, but I had something for my, my friend Jim. Uh, and, and what it was, is I, and I'd left it in my truck because of my plan backfired on myself. But I, I had a Bible for him. It was a gift for him. I gave him a Bible. And, and so I, I gave him my keys. And then I, I, we never really talked about it after that much every now and then. But like five or six years later, I get a, I get a random message from him me saying, Man, I found that Bible and I just wanted you to know that I've been reading it. And I see my life changing. And it wasn't because anything I did. Because I, I hadn't been a good example the entire time. I hadn't been sowing seeds of the flesh in my own life consistently. But what happened is that seed that was planted, there was a harvest that was reaped from it. And I didn't grow that. And still today, he 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 lives in Colorado, he listens to the podcast every now and then. And we talk about stuff. But it's because we uh, I sowed a seed. I didn't know what would happen and I certainly didn't water it well enough for it to grow but yet it did. So we can't grow weary of of doing good. We have to continually sow the gospel into people's lives. And that's what it says in verse 10. So as long as we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone. We have that opportunity because we have life. There's plenty of opportunities in our daily lives to sow the seeds of the gospel into our communities. But we can't forget about those within the church. That's what he finishes with. Especially to those who are in the household of the faith. And so often we have churches that are so focused on those outside, they forget those within. We need to sow the seeds of the gospel into everyone's lives. Not to grow weary doing good to everyone. Why? As long as we have the opportunity, let us sow those seeds. And that's how we want to be as a church here at Watershed. We have to remember the old saying that says, "Charity begins at home." That if we're in, we we can not extend something outside of us, that we don't extend within. Because why? What we sow is what we reap, and so what we sow in our own body, in our own church, is what's going to happen outside. What we're going to reap outside of that, we must first sow the seeds of charity, doing good here within our body, so that and then we can take that and sow those same seeds outside. And that's what Paul's talking about here. Is It's this law, this immutable law of God that says what you sow is what you'll reap. That happens within the body, that happens within your life, and that happens within the community. Is what we sow as a body of Christ. The, the plants that we sow is what's going to grow. So we're replanting we the gospel. The free grace of God offered to those who don't deserve it. Paul says it this way in Romans 2. He says, He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek the glory and honor and immortality he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness there will be wrath and fury. What you sow is what you reap. Individually and corporately we have to sow the seeds of the gospel into everything. Because that's when we're centered on our lives. That's when we're centered on our lives in Christ. So what type of seed are you sowing? How are you investing your time in your life, both here as a body, as a partner with us here at Watershed and and, and where you work, where you live, with your neighbors? Because what you're sowing in your life how you're teaching your children, how you're teaching your neighbors, that's what you're going to reap. And we shouldn't be surprised. And the, the motivation of that comes from the gospel itself. That we see that we're dead in our sins. But what? We're made alive in Christ. We've re- been extended grace that we, didn't get, that we didn't deserve. And then that's what motivates us. Think about it. If you've ever had a time, maybe with your parents, to where you should have gotten in trouble, but you didn't, Grace was extended to you. Didn't it make you want to obey your parents more? You, you were drawn to them, right? You were drawn to them. Well, I deserve this, but you didn't do that. You're, you're drawn to that. And that's what grace does to God. is it draws us to God because we see that we get what we don't deserve. That motivates us to live on mission. That motivates us to plant the seed of the gospel, to sow the seed of the gospel, because then we'll reap that harvest. And we'll see that that gospel message grow and mature, and it has nothing to do with us, but it's motivated by the grace of God that we see in the gospel, that we were dead in our trespasses and sin, yet made alive in Christ. That we were clothed not in our unrighteousness, but his righteousness, that our death became life in him and he became death that we deserved. Because only when we see that through grace that we're truly free is when we're going to truly sow those seeds and actually reap the harvest that we want to reap.